0: You can get ad-free episodes of The Forest School podcast as well as bonus episodes and exclusive access to upcoming guests to ask them questions before anybody else finds out about it simply by visiting patreon.com forward slash children of the forest. And I'm Lewis.
1: This is the Forest School Podcast.
0: Let's go! So, sludge content, right? Yeah. Sounds it's- lovely, doesn't it? Sludge content.
1: Sounds Sli- like what I need to contact the nice man with his big uh, tanker and his big hose pipe to come Rural living to my and, house and sludge content <laughs>
0: yes. oh i don't know lad you've got a lot yeah. of sludge content in there
1: to pump the shit out of my lawn
0: well i'm guessing this is where it comes from um i was just telling you sludge content is this thing that's like uh on even in like short form videos like tiktok and youtube shorts and all those things where they split the video in half and they have normally the top half is and maybe we're feeding into this the top half is like somebody talking in like a podcast or somebody talking in an interview and then the bottom half of the screen is something with no sound but something that's like visually very satisfying like um have you seen the ones where it's like sand getting cut into like blocks or like soap cutting is one i think or somebody playing a video game in a very smooth way or something that like and Mm -hmm. um it made made me think about because we talked we were just saying we talked about soft focus in a different episode and uh i found this really interesting clip from uh a youtube guy called v source and he is talking about like how much he's like he thinks that any behavior that you see is just any behavior is normal human behavior it's just in a slightly different frame now so he was talking about how many of us like you know that way you might go the equivalent for for sort of school stuff might be like, the kids just don't look when they're talking to you. Like they look at their phone when they're Mm -hmm. talking to me Mm -hmm. and they can't, you can't do two things. You can't be doing that. And in this clip, he's talking about like, you know, people used to talk to each other and look at the birds. Yeah. And like that you, you wouldn't have to make eye contact with the person fully you like and saying like, yeah, That is the equivalent of sludge content. You're looking at the birds doing or you're looking at the squirrels running around and doing their thing. And or you're you,
1: like making some twine at the same time yeah. as talking to somebody or skin, skinning an animal or picking berries. Or, yeah.
0: yeah. And that, that like, But we see those things as very wholesome and very like mm. ooh, parallel play and, oh, isn't that nice? It's handwork or it's yeah. keeping both sides of their brain active. And then when it's like content-wise, it gets like, oh, kids have no uh, attention spans and then their brains are shot and uh, all these things.
1: I was listening to a podcast in the middle of the night um, on crowd science, which is on BBC sounds. And, uh, and they have like little questions that are sciencey and then experts answer them. And the question was, why do we get bored? And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, that'll be interesting. And then I just had to turn it off because it was, "Oh, uh, yeah, things about, yeah, our attention spans becoming shortened through screenage and like trying to get your children to like stick at something and really make them get bored because boredom is great. And uh, I was like, oh, this is too depressing. Stop it. Stop, 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 Because I agree. I agree that boredom is good. And it was saying about how um, the things you do after you've been bored are often like the best things. You know, you've given your brain this like awkward, hard experience of being bored. And then the thing that you do is usually a really good thing.
0: Yeah, but there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between becoming bored because there's like a legitimate the resources have run out or the the play cycle has come to an end or the thing is the thing and then there's a difference between that and feeling bored because someone is like withholding visible or accessible entertainment in that way that is like that is, I think, sometimes where it goes wrong is, is that thought of like, oh, make people get bored. Sorry, I clapped. Yeah. Make people get bored. And like, you're, you're not going to get bored if you can see the thing you want because you're just going to go, I wish Angry. I had the thing. I wish yeah. I had the thing, um, which is interesting. This is all, I, I wasn't intending this to be linked, but this is linked to the book uh, that I have read. The people on our Patreon have seen Look, i do the lovely ASMR thing.
1: Mm. I can't actually hear that. I think Zoom is uh, stopping oh, the noise it's coming a... through. No, yeah. This is me clicking, clicking out. all
0: the little tabs. There's um, loads of them uh, on the book, Exercised, The Science of Physical Activity, Rest and Health. That's by Daniel Lieberman. Um, and I sort of started reading this as a, a uh, I was going to say a fun book. It was still a fun book right to the end, as a, mm-hmm. a book for pleasure. And then mm-hmm. the longer I read it, the more I was like, this is really interesting to what we do. Mm. Um, because Daniel Lieberman, let me get this right because I looked up what he is. He is a paleoanthropologist, which is a branch of paleontology and anthropology which seeks to understand the early development of anatomically modern humans, a process known as hominization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his, so he looks at things like petrified skeletal remains, bone fragments and footprints, cultural evidence, such as tools, artefacts and settlement localities. Uh, and it th- is th- specifically, obviously, about like exercise and movement and all this stuff. And it really struck a chord with me because I think there is... I'm always interested in finding those things that are like unspoken, you know, like in a community, like because they value this, but they don't ever say that they value this um and uh it occurred to me that i've seen over the years lots and lots of stuff about forest school and physical activity and i have done this as much as anybody else and like inextricably linking the two like Mm -hmm. get your kids outside it is physical activity forest school is this like thing kids at forest school burn a million more calories a second kids don't sit down for a minute at forest school and mm. and also uh and then tying that to the weather and particularly here in the uk it being like don't ever stop moving in the winter that's the secret the secret is running around that's the secret of survival that's what we're meant to do uh kids get bored and they need to move this you know and um so i found it really interesting because some of the stuff in this book really debunks that idea and then the more i tie i was reading it and thinking about how our groups have developed and I think this is one of the things where I would say you know there's there's a big gap in the forest school like academia research stuff and one of the things I think is missing is stuff about long-term child-led uh like community and how they develop in more of that self-directed education way, lots of the stuff that you, the the science stuff that I read, the peer-reviewed articles and stuff, is always like, these children were given a 12-week forest school program, or these children were given, you know, exposed to this, or children at a nursery did this. And so it's coming from a maybe slightly more top-down way, or it's coming from a leader who goes, you know, they might be on that, spectrum journey somewhere where they're like i know some forest school leaders that would be like i've got the eight week sessions and i know what the eight sessions are and then i do that with year four and then i do those eight sessions with year three and then Mm -hmm. i do those you know um but letting things develop over a really long time like we've been able to do and how those things crop up so i've got this huge list of things right Mm -hmm. um So they're talking, one of the things in this book that I found really, some of it is just really silly, and they talk about adults are calorie cautious, right? Which is that we instinctively, once we reach adulthood, there's a lot in this book where they're like, if it doesn't help you procreate, your body does not want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, have you got enough food? What can you shut down but still procreate? That is the thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so then talking about, that like intrinsic motivation and uh movement needing to be fun and whatever uh but one of the he says he says that dogs and children are in no way calorie cautious they don't have that system that we maybe unknowingly have where we go i won't run now because i might need to run later or Mm -hmm. i might want to do and he's described it as when you open the door at the park the children and the dogs run Mm-hmm. And just and just go like fuck I never like yeah that thing of like and then I was talking to my wife about this and we we're saying like that's why extended ex- physical exercise like a long family walk or a mm-hmm. hike somewhere is is more difficult for children because they just don't have that regulator built oh, in. Yeah,
1: I took um, my I mean it's the summer holidays right now and uh, I took my kids and my dog for a walk uh, last week. And by the end of it, they were crying, like tears were actually coming out of their eyes, <laughs> even really that long, it's probably like an hour and a half long. Um, and just around my local area, but, um, yeah, they were crying. <laughs> and I, I find it really hard to be sympathetic. They were really, they were like hot angry crying tears yeah why would you do this to us you should have known i was like it's a loop i can't they were like we're gonna take a shortcut I was like there is no shortcut that like, we're going home now and i yeah we are going home now this is the return leg of the shortcut of the sure. you know of the loop and that yeah hot angry tears all the way not good Mate. anyway sorry i've to your- no, you
0: no 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 but it just made me think about uh Again, whether that is a they don't really go into it in detail, but I find it interesting to think about whether that is a learned skill or a developed skill in terms of like uh whether you can actually teach children to pace themselves. You know, is that something oh, that they that's get? That's
1: such an interesting question.
0: Yeah. So is that something and and then because if it isn't, if you take it the if you take the view that No, that just doesn't happen because they're not built for procreating. They're built at that point for exercising and building and growing. Mm
1: -hmm. Then
0: it begs the question whether extended exercise is a fair thing to ask them to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I don't have the answer. They will just get
1: fried just by living, just by existing. They're expending so many calories and being so active all the time. That is very true. And if you watch them, even just like, having a chat yeah they'll be like moving they'll just be like hopping and skipping and swaying and just wandering around they're so often absolutely still when they're little i'd say before the age of like 10
0: thanks to everybody that's rating and reviewing on spotify and itunes it really helps us to find new listeners and share what we're doing with more and more people Lots of that neat, is it called neat movement? You know, Mm -hmm. that like neat movement is all the little stuff that you do, you know, bouncing your leg or, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, flicking your head backwards and forwards or doing like that stuff that builds up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So the overarching thing of the first half of this book I found really interesting is this guy is unpicking. I, I don't know if you've read it, the book Born to Run. No. Nope. Uh, so massive book in the like fitness and obviously particularly the running community. Uh, this guy went to go and not this author, a different author called Christopher McDougall, uh went to see uh, the Tarahumara tribes in South America mm-hmm. who run uh, 70 mile like marathons for mm-hmm. fun. Right. Mm-hmm. and And barefoot and they don't ever get injured and they run them into their like 60s and they, you know, do this crazy stuff. And he's had amazing success and people have gone and done this stuff. Uh, And this author uh, makes a comparison. So he says uh, he went to go and visit the Tarahumara people. uh, And he's talking about how like, it's increasingly hard to go and visit genuine hunter gatherer things, uh, like communities because they are moving more and more to an academic tourism model where there are people who just host scientists. That is how mm. they make money. And so then you're losing the hunter gatherer thing because people keep coming to stay. It's very interesting. That yes. Story. yes. So. And
1: also I've read some stuff recently that says it's not actually correct to study um, sort of people who are living in a tribal way now and then just assume and extrapolate yeah. those yeah. observations and go, well, yes, well, that's how all of humankind has existed all over the world at all times. Like, that is just not factual. It's not accurate yeah.
0: um,
1: because there are so many variables, oh, including what you've said. You know, that's really interesting that, they, that that kind of, like, yeah, way of life might be being preserved for the sake of that income stream and that observation and that actually...
0: Yeah. There's a weird historical, this is completely off topic. There's a weird historical thing, which is where um in ancient Greece, um, one of the ways that Sparta kept going as a, a name and a place for as long as it did, was that people from the other city-states in Greece would go and visit Sparta, and they would put the Spartans would put on a show of training and mm-hmm. and pretend like, oh, we're beating the warriors, oh and then mm. people would go wow, they beat the warriors there. They're so amazing. And like, they weren't doing the shit. It was, anyway, this is a side thing. So this guy goes to visit the Tarahumara to to just go, this is insane. This goes against all my research. I need to go and see these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes there and says that this race that they do, that's 70 odd miles, uh, is something they do once a year. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's the equivalent of going to Hawaii on the day that they run the Ironman competition mm-hmm. and watching all the Ironman athletes and then coming home and going, do you know the people in Hawaii, they they every day they cycle 20 mm-hmm. miles and they swim for an hour and then they run for, and like, he sort of goes, these people do that once a year and the mm-hmm. rest of the year is sitting around. They do two uh I've got it written down, it's like two to three hours of light exercise and two to three hours of moderate exercise a day, which is quite a lot. Yeah. But yeah, says the vast majority of their time is walking to a place and then either sitting to gather things like grubs, roots, tubers, those things, mm-hmm. or sitting and crafting, sitting and making, sitting and cooking. And it is all done like communally. Yeah. And I think there's a massive parallel there. For Forest School, in terms of how much we show children, particularly children, like running in sessions or going on swings in sessions or like competing in obstacle courses in sessions. And like that makes such great Instagrammable social media content. And so then the narrative in people's mind becomes that like Forest School is super active. And also, that thing that I know I've been guilty of and not guilty of that I have done in the past, which is like, if I keep them busy, they are easier to manage. The group mm-hmm. is easier to manage when you're like, okay, first off, hide and seek. Then we're going to play uh obstacle course challenge. Then after that, we're all going to run down to the pond. Then we're going to do this. Th- and like, and thinking that that is somehow more natural, more primal, more like, that's mm-hmm. what they need. That's what they'd be doing anyway. They want, mm-hmm. they want that. Um, and reflecting maybe back on how much of that stuff was actually about me and about mm-hmm. me going like, you will tire before I do. And, and like, that's mm. a thing I've got. Um, and That then, is
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: And then thinking about the groups that we have now, where we have really developed that like child sent child, centred, learner-led, whatever you want to call it, thing. Actually, if you go, if you take these people, so he goes and sees like the Hadza people in, America, in uh, Africa, and he's like, yeah, they're sitting around, they're doing crafting and tubers and whatever. Over a six-hour day in our sessions, I would say the majority of it is sent is spent sitting around, and it might not seem, but it's like sitting around planning for the war, or sitting around uh you know in the hammocks discussing what the rules of the game are going to be actually the bursts of energy are very short through the day and i'm not sure that i'm not sure that i've sure reflected to this you disagree
1: i think i might disagree with you there go on i think that if you i mean i don't know if this book kind of more scientifically divides types of activity and give those a name in terms of but i would say if you kind of if you're literally talking about sitting down sitting or reclining so sitting on your butt or lying down yeah. which could be on a bench on a hammock um wherever as being like a low energy activity mm-hmm. and then you've got medium energy activities which is the stuff that i was just saying about like yeah you might be chatting and planning but you're doing that as you walk about mm-hmm. or as you climb a tree or as you're kind of it's almost like a kind of absent-minded kind of activity do you know but that's that's the wrong phrase to use but that's the one that comes to mind because the movement is not the point okay do you do you know what i mean i'm describing mean. like if you just kind of did a the, our session is halfway it's halfway through the it's day it's
0: like incidental movement
1: yeah incidental so if you just did like a little scan over the woods and who's doing what yeah most people are Most people are talking, not everyone's talking, some people might be playing by themselves, Mm -hmm. but it is that kind of like, not running, not going, fastest person to the end of the obstacle course is the winner. It's not that like- Yeah, that's really rare. That's the high energy thing. That is the like, the movement is the point or like the animal game. That is Mm -hmm. the, we are all running away from you and you have to catch us and put us there or you have to sneak up on us and surprise us. That's, you know, that the- the movement yeah. is the point it's like the main reason for existing at that time and then yeah this huge bit in the middle which is incidental movement where if you almost like tapped someone on the shoulder and said what are you doing right now and they'd be like i'm chatting about the rules of the game but, yeah but with your body like what are you doing and they go oh um i guess i'm like balancing on this beam that's tied to the tree what why why are you doing that then don't know just fancy it why what are you doing right now i'm I'm hanging upside down on the gymnastic thing do you know what i mean it's like yeah. and i think that's the difference that's going back to what we said before about children and adults adults don't do that so much adults are as you say more calorie cautious so mm-hmm. they're, they're doing less of the kind of just incidental big body movements you might be fiddling with something or doing something else, but you're going to be on your butt um yeah so that's what I think is happening mostly. I think that's that what, middle yeah.
0: I think we're saying the same thing. Maybe I over yeah. maybe I overemphasize the like sitting still yes. bit yeah. of it. Sitting I down. think yeah. yeah, I I yeah. It's the it's not high intensity in any no. way. The activity is low level in it's probably the same level like this anthropology like thing is looking at as walking and picking berries as you go, mm. or you know weaving you know fibers together it's that level of uh Mm -hmm. movement rather than and I think that's what I'm saying about like that thing of maybe the perception is that forest school is like hiking and adventures and that's like it's like an elevated
1: Mm -hmm, um mm
0: -hmm. thing whereas actually and that that's what learners like crave and need and that's what the pedagogy is and that actually it's very interesting to me that given the space, I think the the behavior and the level of movement that we see maps onto this anthropological. And even when we've done sessions with adults, it moves to that like, yeah, okay, we enjoyed the running thing, but actually we quite like pottering, pottering mm. around, bit of potter, bit of bimbling, um, mm-hmm. to use some very British words.
1: Do you um, think um, going back to what you're saying about like how you might have planned a session back in the day, the olden days, when you were but a young hobbit in the forest and you'd uh, not you know, and you're kind of newer to forest yeah. school. I definitely agree, like I hadn't made that observation till you pointed it out that uh nearer the beginning of our journey, the sessions were more high energy because we had planned them that way. Mm-hmm. Um And now I'm just thinking about planning and I'm just thinking about like the high energy stuff does still happen, but it usually happens when we haven't planned it, it has spontaneously occurred or the learners have come up with, we are going to play this high intensity energy game. And -hmm. actually, I mean, we've talked about this before when we've done podcasts about wide games. Yeah. but. I think a few years ago, you and I both would have planned a lot more high energy wide games, usually at the beginning of a session, and then again, halfway through, and then maybe again to wrap up the day. And that we have kind of learned through experience that that isn't always successful, at least with our groups, Mm -hmm. that they want to do the high energy stuff, but they want to do it on their own, own terms. They want to make the rules. They want to decide when they do it, which completely makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, If you are going to, if you're looking at it in terms of um, I'm expending calories and it is, you know, even if kids aren't conscious of that, the human body is like, okay, right. I'm so I'm doing this really high and energy intense thing and emotionally intense as well, because they are younger and there's that whole sort of emotional and imaginative investment in that type of activity. It's really high cost in both of those areas, both in terms Mm -hmm. of calories and in terms of like emotional expenditure So it makes complete sense that they would want to do that on their own terms, as opposed to having an adult go, right, now we're going to play this game of like, capture the flag, and it's going to be really intense. And yes, there's a jail and you have to, do you know what I mean? All those things. And we have kind of gone down the road of like, we don't plan those big games and those high intensity things as, as much, even in terms of when we used to do the lightning rodding thing of like, can you catch me or it's the kids yeah. versus the adults that like we don't. Just, and I think that part of that is the long-term nature of our groups, that they know that they can say no to us. Whereas if mm-hmm. we had an entirely new group, we might still plan that in and they'd go, okay, yeah, sure. We're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fine. We're going to run around to a really flipping tired right at the beginning of the session. Yeah. Um, but now the groups will tell us, no, I don't, don't want to do that. Like yeah. Are you playing. No, I'm not playing either. I'm just going to, yeah sit around
0: you will never need to go back to mundane marshmallows ever again my book forest school cooking covers everything from how to build ovens to cooking in new and exciting ways and a whole load of easy and amazing recipes that your groups will love order your copy today on amazon and and this and the second one involves more social and emotional coaching and skill building and like I do think that is at least for my part I do think it was largely about like if I if I do wide games and I give it everything like a children's tv presenter then you know especially some of them were like shorter sessions you know like a two-hour Saturday morning session you're like I can blast this for two hours and then we don't have to get into the nitty gritty or if a game falls apart, we're straight into the next one, guys, let's do this thing. And Mm. nobody think too hard and nobody get really deep. And you don't really, you're not like relationship building because it's just about points or it's about attacking this bit. And like, actually, when you pull back from that stuff, that's when loads of social emotional stuff comes out and that's harder Mm. to coach through and to teach because you're sitting there going, okay, we we're, we're just we're we're walking on a log and we're chatting about this stuff and we're negotiating how we and mm-hmm. that's so much more beneficial in the long run for the learners than it is to go how was what did you get out of forest school? We used to run around for two hours mm-hmm. and which is great to you know all those things of burn off some burn off some steam and uh get out and do those things, but like that's that's what it is. it's a pressure valve. Yeah. And you don't need a pressure valve over and over again. No. It to you need to
1: develop some other pressure. It's almost stuff like yeah. There. It almost like it's it's a pressure valve for a bit, but yeah. then if you carry on doing it, it's actually creating more cortisol, more adrenaline. I don't know, I don't know the kind of mm-hmm. Does your book say anything about that, about like hormones and emotional
0: states? Not, not necessarily. There is a bit at the end of the book, which actually I'll jump to because uh I really disagreed with some of this book towards the end uh they talk about so this is relevant so they're talking about exercise anthropologically is a social event so if you think about hunting or even that moderate stuff of like gathering or um like uh social activities like dancing or going for a big run together that um you you would rarely find people doing that on their own and that the rewards are social and physical either their food or their like group you know community building um and then he goes on for a bit about uh liberal libertarian paternalism
1: okay
0: uh, love it go on explain what I, that is oh god i just i this it I, sounds
1: I, I, like the most hateful thing in the universe but please explain okay
0: so the way this put this author describes it, it talks about shaping the environment towards healthy choices but not discounting any other choices Mm-hmm. So you still would have the example being like, uh, you know that thing where they made the stairs out of a subway station play musical notes. Okay, and so people will start using the stairs, and they go, "Oh, that's fun." But there's still an escalator next to it. If you yeah. want to use the escalator, and so going like he argues that that is a government or society or a its role to go. This is healthy for you, so we will mm-hmm. make it enticing, but we won't force you. Mm -hmm. which is very interesting I think Mm -hmm. because I think that gets into my brain about place-based design or that's
1: actually less bad um, than I thought it was going to be okay
0: right but then (laughs) let me let me read you a quote because I this is the challenging bit that's not the challenging bit this is the challenging bit uh he talks about then motivation and set and more of this stuff Students in my university pay a fortune to to have professors like me compel them to read, study, and work under the penalty of getting bad grades or failing. These students compete for and agree to these conditions because they know they would not learn as much without the school's nudges, shoves, and requirements. Mm. So he frames it as like the students have paid to come to a place so that you will motivate them with sticks mm. which is a weird take on like a maybe not weird but it's a very new take for me on uh external motivation to be like people want me to externally motivate them and i'm not sure that i agree Ooh, that that is why right,
1: students go
0: and then it, so so, is he
1: is he then is he then uh extrapolating that out to physical activity that people should be basically forced to do, but through nudges and pokes.
0: So he talks a little bit about a company in Sweden where the boss mandates that everybody does, it's like hit cardio every day from 10 till 11. Everyone in the company does it. And when the guy took over, half the company quit, but the people that stayed now feel like they love it and they're all really healthy. And he's sort of saying that like, That should be the role of schools. He likens it to, you know, the fact that physical education is mandatory for children. So we do have this in place already for children in schools. Physical education is mandatory. And he is arguing at this point that it should be the role of employers and businesses to mandate exercise from their employees.
1: That's interesting, because I was just thinking about so... In the last couple of years, I've started doing way more exercise and strength training. And the person who runs that has said to me before about she, so she has looked into the science and psychology of this world mm-hmm. and has said that you do, you know, you, she was talking about doing things for free and she was like, I wouldn't ever do things for free, like run a boot camp, for example, or like, you know, an exercise session in a park, um, even if I was funded to do that because people don't invest in it unless they have something in there, they've got skin it. in the game, yeah. they've signed up, they've paid some money, even if it's a small amount of money, yeah. but it needs to be the right amount of money that it doesn't feel uh, insubstantial enough to not show up yeah. and that also you've got some accountability. So basically agreeing with what, like, what your man is saying that, um, you know, and even still she will like, she'll do like programs for people and she'll make a spreadsheet and she'll say, do this exercise followed by this, followed by this. And every week fill it in and I'm going to look at it. I look at it Mm -hmm. on Sunday night. Some
0: accountability stuff.
1: It's accountability. And it is that kind of motivation and, I mean, I definitely work that way. I, I've tried I so int- many times in my life, not just with exercise, but with other things like, like oh yeah, I'm going to make this, I'm going to form this new habit I'm going to form this new routine. I know it's good for me and I know it makes me even feel happy and feel good. And I feel so proud when I've done it, but unless I've got some, yeah, accountability or skin in the game in terms of like a financial um, commitment, then it just doesn't stick. So I kind of see where he's coming from. I
0: see where he's coming from. I, I don't, I think, I think this is where it splits is his book is not aimed at children his book is aimed at yeah. adults and I and I think I can see it from the point of view of adults and the world and creating worlds where healthy choices are encouraged or uh setting things up like that you know account I'm all for like you accountability buddies and systems and things like that. I think it is not so easy to talk about when you're talking about children. Yes, that I is, agree. And I that's agree. where we're, ta- like, I'm taking his work and, and applying. So he's not, I don't think, saying anything heinous in this book. But if I then take it in, into the forest school world, into a children's world, I think that is different and requires adapting. Well, yeah,
1: because then you go down that line of, like, if we accept that, you know, exercise is, is good. And I don't know if he kind of touches on the kind of, yeah, very... Hot topic of like childhood obesity and childhood mm-hmm. you know diabetes and all that kind of stuff um you know so if you accept that being active even in a moderate way is like extremely beneficial and that most children don't get the opportunity to do that enough because uh, we can see that in the kind of you know in the sort of health information about children young people um but it's that idea of it being forced and if you also look at you know would we feel comfortable going? no, everyone has to play this game, you know, and some people will run sessions like that and we'll go, no, we're all doing this now and you all have to run, you know, it's like, how do you factor in not just personal preference, but disability and different levels of fitness and how people emotionally feel about that and all those kind of things. And then you think, okay, like you just pointed out about PE in schools. Well, they do do that to children in schools. So if like, I don't feel comfortable saying that, In a forest school session, no, you all absolutely have to do this. Um, But everyone is forced to do, not everyone, but in some schools, everyone will be forced to do cross-country running or football or whatever. And that... Surely it's, o- some it's kind of rarely
0: scaled as well I yes, think exactly. PE is rarely choice. scaled it's the differentiation like... that you see in an English lesson or a maths lesson is very mm. different to any differentiation you'd see in a PE lesson yeah I think yeah, my yeah. experience anyway I'm not throwing PE teachers under the bus there yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. my experience is
1: yeah
0: that people might differentiate for skill in terms yeah. of like oh okay you guys are in the football club so you go do this drill and mm. you guys you practice this one but in terms of like cardiovascular health or mm. um you know anything like that i my education experience was never like okay you guys only have to run half the cross-country track
1: yeah yeah, yeah. because
0: you guys are shit at yeah. it or stuff about <laughs> like, coordination
1: for example you know it's yeah, like yeah, like you're all just playing tennis so i just play tennis it's like yeah. um i can't actually hit the ball in any way are you yeah, going to yeah. give me some other activity to do that builds you get my a skills? fucking
0: huge racket <laughs> Here's your differentiation. Your is the size of a bin lid. That is what school. I needed.
1: <laughs> and then you go down and yeah. down. The
0: best, the best kids have got a ping pong bat, yeah, exactly. and they're fucking going for it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and there's no shame. No one's allowed to uh, feel any shame. That's forbidden. Well, I'm no, joking. you wouldn't, because
0: those kids have got a bin lid.
1: <laughs> uh, um. I, I imagine in my fancy world, you know, my like fancy world where I talk about how like education is all perfect and it's all amazing and it's all yeah. my ideas because uh-huh. my ideas are always right. Mm-hmm. So in this fancy world, I agree with your man that I think that in during a school day or a working day, there is like an hour of exercise time and you yeah. are paid for that or it's like scheduled in, and you have to do it, but you can do whatever you want. You can I'm do make like,
0: notes of this. Yeah. What do I have to force you? Okay. To? You yeah. have
1: to employ. <laughs> A yoga teacher. I'm you not doing that a cross-country person, running person, you have to get some you know, or like a plethora of lovely physical activities that you could do. But do you know what? the internet is' a, is a magical thing. and you could have people, you know, yoga with Adrian. she's a goddess of the internet. Um she does like a a str- like a streaming yoga class, but it's not live, but you sign up to it live. Do you know what I mean? So she recorded oh, okay. it yeah, yeah. whenever, but it starts at one o'clock and you can see that lots of other people have also joined. And yeah, yeah. you can see them, but you're all doing it at the same time. So you get that vibe. That's of that like,
0: social thing. That's the social it. thing. Exactly. Exercise is social.
1: Yeah. And so you could do that, you could make use of of the internet to um to for you know, virtual teachers almost to be doing these kind of activities. But it's like, yeah. yeah, we're all doing that and no one's coming back to work slash lessons or whatever until this time, this is your your physical time
0: mm. in whatever
1: way works for you.
0: Okay, we've Cheap. solved that one. We've Cheap solved it. Keep and easy. It's fine. Right. I'm going to slightly change a bit now. There's a t- uh, yeah. bit talking about sleep. So I found mm-hmm. really interesting because this book is looking at that mix of exercise and sleep and rest and all this stuff. So... Uh, The non-industrialized cultures that this guy went to look at, like Amish cultures and hunter-gatherer tribes and all these things, sleep on average six and a half to seven hours a day. And he makes the point that that is counter to a lot of what is told to us, which is that like post-industrialization in the West, like we don't sleep enough. We should be getting eight hours. Electric lights have ruined us all and Mm -hmm. we don't know how to sleep. Uh, and that's not enough uh mm-hmm. describing these things. uh, it talks about how like sleeping lightly and in staggered bouts
1: mm-hmm, is
0: mm-hmm. is all to do with like group safety mm-hmm. um and and this one for for me was really interesting. There's a bit talking about because I was when I was thinking about these things, I was thinking about like I have been baby wearing for like the last five years in the woods with my children mm-hmm. and uh, so i have done that thing of like do i try and put them in a hammock that's slightly away from the camp or do i uh, you know just leave them on my back and let them fall asleep there or do all of those different things and there's a bit in this book where he's talking about sleeping in a solitary way in the dark is evolutionarily, evolutionarily, evolutionarily mm. so abnormal that you are probably sleeping in, in, in inverted commas better than any of the royalty that you can name in history. Mm. And that this idea that, like, to sleep, humans need a dark, quiet room is mm. an absolute fallacy. And he talks about how, um, actually, what we are, I don't want to say programmed, what we are like predisposed mm. to is. That the sound of a campfire and the sound Mm. of people talking Mm. is what makes your brain go, people are watching the camp, it is safe for me to sleep. And I find that really interesting from, because I listen, I have to have podcasts, videos, something going on to go to sleep, and I feel awful about it. And I feel like, oh, my sleep hygiene is no good, and why can't I just shut my brain? If I shut my brain off, and I've always you know part of it is if i turn that stuff off i have to hear my own thoughts and god i don't want to hear them like they can fuck right off but also it's very reassuring to have that thing that says that is a safety mechanism in your brain that says if people are awake and talking then it's safe for me to sleep and talking then about you know that thing of people being night owls people being early risers and that that staggered sleep is super important for us as and has been important for so long mm. and that, that we just go don't need that anymore you're all useless if you don't sleep at the time when mm. we decree yeah. um so I think because lots of us run forest school sessions with children in early years where like napping and sleeping is still a you know a vital part of their development and even through the old you know I've had 12 year olds fall asleep on me like mm. in my lap I've had mm. a 12 year old like, I was holding him like a baby for a joke, and he fell asleep on me. Yeah. Um, And so I think sometimes sleep is not necessarily something we think of as part of the Forest School experience. Again, because maybe there's that narrative of, like, Forest School is children in puddle suits running towards the camera while Plinky Plonk xylophones play. Mm. And, and kind of going, okay, so what does sleep look like in the outdoors? And, th- and lots of other places, like outdoor nurseries and stuff uh, around the world. have got these like great things of, you know, kids sleeping in minus five outside or kids, uh, you know, up in hammocks or whatever. But I don't think we necessarily see much of it in the UK or I don't Mm. at least. Um, So I find that really interesting to think about sleep and particularly like rest and downtime, that it is very normal. Again, that kind of just going back to that thing of like hammering people with high intensity activity, and going like, it's not something to phone home about. It's not something to like make loads of notes about that like someone having a dose. My daughter is obsessed with the idea that I mentioned a few months ago that when it was super hot here in the UK and we told all the kids that we were gonna have a siesta, an intentional yeah. siesta after lunch. And now my daughter repeatedly after lunch, she's like, do we need a siesta after mm. after lunch today? There, she's four but she's like do we need that today do we need it like yeah the the building that into the routine of the day that Mm. you know option not forcing but that option of like just go you might doze off that's all right not us we can't do that right (laughs) no matter matter how much we might want to have a little Mm. doze in the middle of the day uh that's not something we can do but I thought that was really interesting Applications for Forest School Leader Training at Children of the Forest are now open. Come and learn with me and Wem at our private woodland down in Devon. Find out more by heading to myforestschooltraining.co.uk. See you there.
1: Yeah, normalising it, you know, that that's, a, that's an okay choice. That's a valid thing to do. Yeah. Is, yeah.
0: Although, so count the, the other bit that was in this was uh, teenagers who sleep less than six hours have twice the injury rate of their peers who sleep for eight hours or more. Wow. Isn't that interesting? So specifically talking about teenagers there Mm. and uh, thinking about teenagers out in the woods and how often you and I have, not teenagers specifically, but how often you and I have made a welfare call with groups of adults or with groups of children where we've gone, the tools need to go away now because something is gone. You are all too tired or like... This, yeah, is, yeah. this is not right to do anymore.
1: And but- like the end of the day activities that we yeah. had to do. So especially when it began to get really hot this summer, um, in the earlier summer, it's now not hot at all. But um, we noticed that people were falling over, smashing into stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> at the end of the day. Last
0: 10 minutes of it was the
1: session. Like, the injuries were just mental. So, um, so we're like, right, we're just not going to, you know, even though people are showing us, this is the flip side of it in Mm. terms of like the instinct is there for this, like full on games of chase at 10 to three. And we're going to encourage that not to happen by going, Oh, we're just going to stay up by the gate. Let's play this other game of, you know, giants, dwarves or wizards or whatever. Um, it's just because but people we weren't were being tired. sneaky
0: about it. I think that sounds like we were being slightly sneaky and underhand, but actually we were going, Hey, have you noticed that people keep getting hurt at the end? I wonder if we can do anything to, st- yeah. you know, we weren't being deceitful yeah. in that um thing, but also for people listening, that's why you need a near miss book and you look mm-hmm. for patterns and you follow your patterns. This is why training is important and you can't just go, Oh yeah, just take some kids out of the wood. You need, to be yeah. keeping the log of these things so you can do your reflections and go, do you realize three people have broken their arm at exactly the same time in the day? Exactly the same. <laughs> they didn't, three people have broken their arm. Uh, but do you know what I mean? You see yeah. those patterns. Like that is why observation and record keeping is important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: The teenage thing is very interesting, isn't it? And I wonder how, you know, knowing that and maybe knowing a little bit about if you're running teenage groups groups mixed age with teenagers there um sort of checking in with people to see get a rough idea about how much sleep a teenager might have had that night yeah. before the session or whatever um and then yes normalizing that downtime and providing lots of kind of soft spaces where people can physically relax lots yeah. of hammocks lots of blankets and pillows and things like that if you listeners, if you if you don't have pillows as a loose part in your space mm. I heartily recommend oh, oh yeah. my gosh like all, all those kind of threads on Facebook forums and stuff where people go, oh, what, you know, I'm starting up, I've got a budget from my setting for forest school equipment. What should I buy? Yeah. Like, I, I never bother to remember. but I always want to say pillows and blankets because they get so much use in our setting. They're in a, they really uh, a box, do. waterproof box, where the kids can access them all the time. And they come out every day in some way, whether yeah. it be like some people have invented a game, a physical game or activity and they are doing their own risk assessments and they're like i need to put a pillow on that sort of hard surface there on the ground yeah. um or making dens making it cozy inside or it's raining that's a big popular and it? it's raining and we want to make a, a basically Best. a bedroom under the parachute Best. like a huge group bed and <laughs> that's so sweet i love it um yes i mean my son is getting into that Teenage phase, it's really quite weird. So he's eleven, and he's just started sleeping in, and it's really weird. It's like, where, where is he? Is he? <laughs> oh my god, he's still asleep. What is this? It's really weird because it, he used. It used to be that no matter what time he went to bed, he'd always be up at like half six, seven. No matter how yeah. many hours he my had kids are like that. It
0: doesn't matter when they yeah. go down.
1: Exactly. But o'clock. now he'll still be like asleep.
0: I want to show you. Do you know what? I will put some pictures on the Patreon for this. Uh, but as we're talking about it, uh, and I hold up, you can see these photos of the Hadza people and where where they sleep. Wow. And so this person is sleeping with their head on a rock. These people are, these are some children, uh, there, you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, talking about that, like normality of that is how humans sleep. Um, I will put that picture on the Patreon. So I want to talk about being aggressive. Okay. I want to talk about, because you're fucking winding me up. Uh, No. um, I talked to you already about this, about in this book, and they talk about reactive and proactive aggression.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
0: I bloody love it. This is my new little, like, jingle jam, jag. Oh, yum, yum, yum. So... Reactive aggression is that thing of, uh, you are holding some... Oh, did you hear that?
1: No. it's that
0: horrible oh, big burp that came out actually, of me. Thankfully,
1: Zoom saved me from that Zoom delight. is
0: being very kind to your ears. It really is. Uh, reactive, we'll, pretend, look, we'll cut all this shit out, right? Uh, reactive aggression is uh, that thing, if you're holding something and I take it off you, yeah. that your reactive aggression is punching me in the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like a thing that all animals might do if like they're eating something and they get nudged out of the way. It's a bite at your sibling or if it's a, you know, that sort of those scraps that you see lions have or uh, those things where it's like you have wronged me. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And, come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and proactive aggression. Uh, so they talk about, sorry, they talk about in this book that like reactive aggression is the thing that we uh, aside from lot, not all but a lot of other animals we have trained ourselves out of like we encourage that out of our young and that we as a species are less and less reactively aggressive uh and that is part of our like pro-social thing and i don't and then if i take that work and i drop it into forest school and we talk about like reactive aggression and hey i was in that hammock or you, I, didn't, I didn't like it when you tagged me like i don't think there's any issues with saying that we are encouraging people to control their react reactionary mm-hmm. aggression would you mm-hmm. say that's yep. right uh which is great then they talk about proactive aggression which is like it's almost like a premeditative aggression which they describe in a uh paleo paleontological anthropological it's too many syllables yeah we know but in that right mm-hmm. they talk about it being like setting up an ambush or sneaking up on an animal from four different directions or mm-hmm. planning a murder or mm. all those things that require forethought and planning strategy mm-hmm. right and uh saying that basically anything that involves a weapon, any like human death that involves a weapon is an example of proactive aggression because you have to have had the weapon in your hand. Mm. So it's rare, not impossible, but rare that you are accidentally walking with a weapon. You're walking with a weapon with some strategic intent here that like, I'm ready to defend myself if something happens. Right. Yeah. Um, And this book goes into stuff where they talk about like dispelling, this myth that some people, this sort of thing that's going around that's like, oh, well, pre-agriculture, hunter-gatherers were all egalitarian and there were no disputes because um, if there was a disagreement, you just move on. You just move on to the next place. You just, you know, there's no competition for these things. Resources are abundant. Everybody lives in harmony. And then they they go through and then they find these, like, examples of, like, uh, like a burial site in Iran that's sixty thousand years old. It's way pre agriculture and there's like pregnant women and their children and children in there who have been stabbed and their hands are bound mm. so this is like a uh you know this is a strategic thought out thing mm-hmm. and uh talking about then that we uh, through through the time now have basically developed sports as a way to do both of that reaction control and proactive aggression like encouragement Mm -hmm. so they talk about most sporting games involve being strategic having like your side versus another side possibly Mm -hmm. the introduction of like tools or a you know like whether that's a club or a bat or a ball or something that involves doing those things And that also the rule part, the rules parts of games are us displaying to our community that we can control that reactionary aggression when wronged. Mm -hmm. Which I find really interesting. If I think about major league sports now, I'm not sure the reactionary control is there a lot. I was just thinking
1: the same thing. I was like, hmm, so where does the like the player effing and jeffing at the referee or shoving someone out you know dirty tackling someone where does that fit in that theory
0: but it's interesting isn't it culturally i think yeah. and also then that's i the uh, That's the
1: aim that's the aim of well, <laughs> uh, it, uh,
0: maybe it was i think it's maybe it's fairer to say that was the aim right mm-hmm. and and maybe we've moved beyond you but know it's into still it.
1: punished isn't it if it happens true you know and like there was that boxer in the was it in the olympics recently or or the one before who um, did lose it, absolutely lost it. And I think when the referee had called a break or whatever, just punched the crap out of the other person. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, and was like banned, if not forever, for a long time. But just, yeah, very publicly on TV, just (laughs) absolutely Mm. went, no. But, yeah, usually, even if somebody does lose control, they get their red card or their penalty or whatever, lose the points and that sort of conforms to that
0: yeah that, is not, okay. that is not
1: okay that aggression is not okay it needs to be within these parameters
0: yeah i think it's interesting it really i found it uh i don't think i found it challenging i found it interesting that you could say with this reactive and proactive aggression thing in mind that you could say that at forest school we do encourage and facilitate aggression Mm. Do you know do you know? What I mean? That sounds like one of those things you would never... God, I hope I don't say it on any like recording or anything that goes out <laughs> anywhere, because that would be a bloody <laughs> nightmare. But you could, in theory, say that. And you wouldn't be wrong.
1: Yes. And how are you defining aggression? What do you mean? Well, I'm just thinking back to... I feel like I talk about this incident every single time I talk about forest school. So I okay. apologize listeners, if you've heard this about 20,000 times, but when, um, I was doing pop-up for school at a primary school, I've been doing it for quite a while and I just set up loads of play invitations before the class came out. And I think it was like a mixed reception year one, year two class. And one of the invitations I put out was a bucket with a long rope attached to it. And I'd fling oh, yeah. the rope over the branch of the tree and the kids came out and loads of them congregated again around this thing and they half of the group were pulling the rope with the bucket and the other half were pulling the rope without the bucket and they were shouting and heaving and pulling using lots of big muscles and I was like this is so interesting this is amazing and I was observing from one part of the school field and I noticed that the teacher and teaching system were observing from a different part and so I and they were talking and watching And I went up to them and I was like, oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? Really reveling and like, this is such an interesting Mm -hmm. play type. and What's going on? And and their take on it was, yeah, you see, this is the trouble with this class. Whenever we allow free play, this is what happens. They just get so aggressive. And they were really like, this is not okay. They are Mm -hmm. out of control. But when I... Went closer. The things they were shouting were "No, you go this way. We need more people on our team. No, all pull together." You know what I mean? It's that kind of going to that i thing we talk about. But you know, they weren't going. You effing. <laughs> oh, thanks for <laughs> not swearing. Thank you. Were, God, they weren't. I don't know. It's about how you define aggression. They were shouting, well, yeah, and they were so... using big, big muscle groups. And yeah, okay. They, you know, if they had, if one team had pulled really hard, the other team might've got pulled over and hurt, but they weren't pulling hard enough for that to happen. And nobody did get hurt. So what, how do you define, you know, and they weren't so, kind of going, we're yeah. going to steal it from you. It's ours. They were, I don't know. I, I So
0: I think you could take that though. And you could say that, and maybe this is a better description of like reactionary aggression, true reactionary aggression in that scenario would have been if one person with one team had done a big yank right Mm -hmm. and the team that had had the rope yanked out of their hands went over and punched the other team yeah like like physically assaulted them or like screamed in their face or did a thing Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: that is outside the realms of the game. Mm. it becomes proactive aggression because it was inside the realms of the game and i think there's an interesting thing where i think about how many games involve one both teams trying to be proactively aggressive in order to create a scenario this is really (laughs) high end right so apologize. i'm with you i'm with you right it involves one team being proactively aggressive in order to create a scenario in which the other team has to control their reactionary aggression. That is Mm -hmm. all games. That Mm. is we have scored strategically and now you have to not hit us because we've scored. That is I've (laughs) tagged you and you have to not scream at me because I've tagged you. That Mm. is we have found your hiding spot and and that's that, that finding a hiding spot mm. is proactive aggression that is like mm. hunting and seeking and finding and and now you have to control your reactionary aggression it is one team making the other team and so in some games you have the roles and they're set and that's where i think sometimes it can be challenging if you are the seekers and the finders uh, sorry the seekers and the hiders then as the hiders your only role is to control your reactions mm. and and if you are if you're like in a game where and this is where i think you and i've talked before about right, with wide games where we don't have games where you're out we don't have games where you're like and that's it you go sit down mm. because when you're in fixed roles fuck i've this i'm working this out as i talk and i'm really enjoying it <laughs> um if when you have fixed roles, you it it doesn't seem that you don't have an outlet for your aggression when mm-hmm. you when you have games where you move like once your tail is caught in hunters and rabbits you mm-hmm. put it on your head and now you have an outlet which is mm-hmm. that you can be strategically aggressive the scenarios mm-hmm. where I have seen the most fallout have been where someone has had to control their reaction reactionary aggression mm-hmm. and not had an outlet to be strategically aggressive
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I've talked in a very weird, high-end yeah. way there. No, but-
1: I get it. I completely get it. What I want to do uh, – what I want to say as a further point to that is kind of going back to that story about the bucket and the rope and the tree is I wonder whether our sort of lens for seeing those different types of aggression is sort of on a bit of a scale or a continuum. So those okay. who probably who are working in forest school are lens – or our sensitivity to the differences between those two types of aggression is actually quite mm-hmm. honed. We have a lot of practice at going, oh, that sounds a bit rough. I'm gonna go and investigate. Oh no, actually, I'm not gonna intervene there because I can see that this is
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. You
1: know, they're working things out and they're man, you know, and it is a challenge for them to hold in that reactionary aggression, but they're doing it right now. And I'm here in case. They lose the ability to do that or it just wet that muscle isn't quite home, you know, trained enough yeah, and yeah. it just gives out. But that people who don't work with learners very often in free play yeah. aren't very used to. And and again, yeah, it's in that education role or that parental role, um, the adult looking after children, part of our role is to help them learn to control reactionary aggression. And like, to
0: see the granularity between Those things.
1: Yeah, but I just don't know if if most of us have enough practice at that because, and also, have we ever had enough practice at that? Because a lot of the time, you know, in sort of history, that kind of play would be away from adult eyes. So it actually be down to the kids to, you know, decide amongst themselves who's stepping over the line into reactionary aggression and how are they going to deal with it. you know, in my childhood, it was like I had a war going on with the Black Lawn Boys from the next door housing estate. The Black Lawn Boys, and it, the, the, did the, they have the a Black ter- Lawn?
0: Lo- Sorry, I really need to know. Why? That was the
1: name of the housing estate. It's called Black Lawn.
0: Oh, I okay. I don't know
1: why. It was like a. It's not girl like a family
0: thing. of arsonists.
1: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> the Black Lawn Boys. The terror was real. You know. I'm sure. One of them chucked my bike basically off a cliff it wasn't a cliff it was just like a mound of mud on this building site but actually like you know it's as hard as he could through my bike, bike down thing and then I was like right well you could have broken my bike he didn't but I was like I'm, I hate you and I'm gonna kill you so we used to make we used to make balls of mud and like dry them in the sun and then we had this den and then we would be wanging these like hardened basically cannonballs out of clay at them as hard as we could trying to hit them and they'd be stamping on the roof it was like a full on war no adults around
0: right because this is recorded and i think we I need to so stop scared. your testimony at this point
1: so scared anyway so <laughs> some people <laughs> i think i think there's just a there's a, that as yeah, we yeah. talk about like risk uh-huh and healthy risk that is a bit that's huge isn't it that is yeah. part of risky play is that the the people you're playing with could actually lose control and actually Verge to reactionary aggression and that's the that's the risk yeah um but that a lot of children don't get the opportunity to explore that kind of world for a long enough time and if they do then an adult might come along and go no 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 no. this is not okay because they misjudge the types of, of aggression or mislabel them
0: yeah anyway yeah well yeah i know what you mean um okay. Side step. This is quite interesting. Uh, actually, this is I made a note of this, and this is no. Do you know the oldest clam in the world was dredged and killed just to prove that it was 507 years old? What was the only way they could work out how old it was? Was they were like, this thing's fucking old, so let's get it out and chop it up.
1: I'm sorry. What has this got to do with anything? Well, okay.
0: <laughs> so this has to do with, they're talking about in this book about like senescence and yeah. ageing. Yeah. And uh, so to to link it back to, uh, there's a bit at the start of this book where they're talking about um, the negative effects of sitting. Yeah. Right. And they talk about the fact that the negative effects of sitting can't be outweighed by um, uh, what's the, what's the like discrete bounce of exercise. So they have this thing where it's like people who sit in an office for a whole day mm-hmm. and then go and just sit at home or mm-hmm. people that go and sit in an office and then go to the gym for two hours and then go home
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the people that went to the gym had like increased cardiovascular health increased muscle mass but had no decrease in the markers uh of like illness and death related to sitting
1: mm-hmm. basically
0: That's right fine. Uh, because the way they describe it is like you need to turn your car engine over periodically Mm -hmm. to stop it from seizing up Mm -hmm. periodically squatting standing light movement wakes up our muscles and contributes to all the mechanisms that monitor and like level our blood sugar and our fat storage
1: Okay. So yep. they were
0: saying Makes that sense. it is to do with that thing of standing up for 10 minutes every hour, squatting, mm. you know, moving that thing. And so uh, I think that's hugely relevant to working with young people in forest school and, and in education broadly in that idea of like the discrete 20 minutes of playtime or the discrete bit of lunch is not the same as moving their bodies during the day. And for mm. us as adults, like moving our bodies during the day so then this is i'm getting back to the clam i promise uh, then they talk about uh later in the books talking about the grandmother hypothesis do you know this thing
1: the so, bell, but Tell me that
0: they are grandmothers are like uniquely important in human society because we are one of the only animals that doesn't like uh i'm going to phrase this in like the most tactful way that i can think of right now in this moment do we you mean don't just,
1: reproduce and then die
0: we don't just keel over once we stop being able to yeah. have babies right yeah and talking about this like self-selecting thing that m- grandmothers could continue to hunt gather food for either the mothers or the children allowing mm-hmm. their and so then it self-selects in terms of like if you have that and your babies have a higher likelihood of surviving mm-hmm. and on and on and on and saying that uh as people age the uh hadza people that this guy is studying in part of the book they their um eight, like 60 70 year olds have basically the same walking speed as their 20 year olds
1: mm-hmm.
0: but in the western europe you know western educated industrialized mm-hmm. world it drops off dramatically and mm-hmm. that this like western idea of like retirement is actually what starts to slow us down, that we stop turning the engine over, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And this, like, constant but low-level movement is what's super important. And, again, that kind of goes right back to what we were talking about at the start, Mm. the kids doing this, like, constant low-level movement. They're ticking things over. They're just going, like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, And then they talk about these people's where they're doing these like endurance events like the 70 mile runs or the um and he said that sometimes we think about that as a like weird tribal what an extreme thing that must be a cultural thing um and he talks about how dance throughout human history is the way that we practice movement you're holding up your doodles um yeah yeah uh and uh saying that like dancing is the thing that keeps Mm. us going and then he talks about so he talks about like the Hadza people have these like uh it says between 12 and 24 hour dance events where they just get into this like stupor and like move and move and that is building up all the like walking muscles Mm. but without having to like do walking and then he's like and that is not massively different to Jane Austen writing that she danced with Mr. Darcy yeah, until yeah, the yeah. morning. And yeah. that it's like, you might think of dance as this weird abstract, like, Oh, okay. It's round the fire. It's that, uh, recapitulative play thing, but mm-hmm. it has stayed in our, mm. you know, physiolog. Oh, there's so much more I could talk about, but, um, we're kind of pressed for time. aren't we? yeah. Um, I'm down with that,
1: though. More dancing. More dancing. I love the, dancing. And we
0: did some dancing the other week, didn't we? We, like, woke up the ground because we were doing some oh, bits where we, like, bounced on our heels. And, and I got the, I want to get a bass drum. I want to get the yeah. bass drum from a drum kit. And <clears> throat> 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 throat>
1: throat> The neighbours will love that.
0: We don't have any neighbours. <laughs> squirrels. I don't mean here. I mean in the woods. <laughs> I want to take you to the woods. <laughs> 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 I, I just, I the just, mem- going. I just <laughs>
1: remembered <laughs> the time that <laughs> <laughs> one of our neighbours did say, they are always having raves up there or something <clears <clears throat> 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 <laughs> it's yeah. not for a school it's a having a
0: rave because there was a drum for five minutes at yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning exactly. oh what a yeah. rave it was exactly uh when we are going to talk about in the patreon episode this week
1: holiday clubs uh,
0: holiday clubs top tips Things that we've yeah. tried that worked, things that we've tried that haven't worked but might work yeah. for you. Uh, and we want to say thank you to our lovely patrons, to Rosie and Rosie and Julie and Rachel and Emma and Candice and Sarah and Claire and Heidi and Louise and Michael and Anna. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for supporting us. If you want to find out uh, how to support us, you can head to patreon.com forward slash children in the forest so you can listen to all of these episodes without adverts. You can listen to the bonus episodes that we do and it just really helps to support everything that we're doing uh if you are going to the forest school conference this year at danbury in october then we are going to be there and we've got well, we're planning some party games and mm-hmm. some meeting and interviewing people and chatting and maybe some pockets full of stickers to hand out to people yeah so we will see you all there
1: bye yeah